0: It's Tuesday, July 13th, from The Recount and iHeartRadio. This is the News Items Podcast, bringing you analysis and interviews based on my newsletter, News Items. Last week, gunmen stormed the home of Haitian President Jovenel Moise, tied up his guards, housekeeper and butler, and proceeded to shoot him dead. Not surprisingly, the assassination has rocked the poor and already unstable nation. The Biden administration has rejected the acting prime minister's pleas for American troops to help stabilize the situation, while gangs financed in part by politicians go to war with one another. In order to better understand the situation in Haiti, I spoke with Amy Wilentz, a journalist and author of two great books on Haiti, The Rainy Season, Haiti Since Duvalier, and Farewell, Fred Voodoo, a letter from Haiti. She's been covering Haiti since 1986. A 2020 Guggenheim Fellow, she teaches in the Literary Journalism Program at the University of California, Irvine. Hello, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much, John, for having me.
0: Our listeners, I suspect, read about Haiti last week and thought to themselves, what in the world is happening there and why did it happen? I guess the frame of this is where did things stand before the assassination, what happened in the assassination, Who was involved, so on and so forth, and then what happens next. So let's start with where did things stand prior to the assassination?
2: So things were not good in Haiti prior to the assassination. And basically, President Moise had led Haiti further down the hole of chaos with really a very irresponsible, negligent, I mean, more than usual, uh, negligent rule of the country. He paid no attention to social issues and economic needs of the people, while also paying a degree of attention that at first one thought was just irresponsible and then seemed like maybe it was a program of destroying the institutions of democracy. The legislature was basically disbanded because he never called elections during his time in power. So there, were, there are 10 senators remaining in what was a vibrant, if kind of argumentative, shall we say, legislature. Um, he fired judges summarily when they did things he didn't like, uh, very high-handed manner with the mechanisms of, of governance. So that by the end, he was ruling by decree. There were no mayors in the country other than ones he had appointed, no mayoral elections. The Supreme Court was a thin shadow of itself. So he was en route to being a dictator. I think that scared some people.
0: So let's talk about the gangs under his leadership, if you want to call it that.
2: Okay, the gangs. So the gangs are a a reflection of this abandonment of responsibility by Moïse. They could just come in. And I would say there are about maybe 20 or so known gangs on the streets of Port-au-Prince, plus um, now amalgamations of gangs that have gotten together to make a broader coalition in certain places. And they're very powerful. And that's a big problem for Haiti going forward after the assassination of Moïse. It was a big problem for Moïse, too. There is money to be made in Haiti. There's transshipment of drugs. There's drugs on the ground. There is the port, there are the banks, there's customs, there are places to make money. And it is widely believed by Haitians that people were running the gangs, that it wasn't just like young boys with a bad attitude (laughs) who came out with AK-47s and other heavy weaponry and vehicles to become these kidnapping gangs on the streets of Haiti. No, it was not just a bunch of shantytown kids. It was shantytown kids being run by someone. It was former police officers, some disgruntled, some just mm. wanting to have something to do that paid them some money to run their families too.
0: So we come to Wednesday night in the middle of the night and the president is shot, I guess, whatever, 12 or 14 times or something, uh, including one right between the eyes, as they say. Who did it? What happened?
2: Oh, if I only knew. <laughs> <laughs> Then I would be the most important person in Haiti. And I can assure you that the most important people in Haiti know who did it. Right. But I don't know who did it. So let's put that right up front. I don't know who did it. I have my suspicions, of course, and there's a huge amount of rumor and conversation going on in Haiti about who might be the intellectual authors, as we say, of this assassination. Because (laughs) almost certainly, although not certainly the person who invented the idea of this was not on the ground doing it. Right. That said, everyone in Haiti is saying, like, how come all of a sudden the Haitian police can find suspects? They've never found a suspect before. Right. Two people were killed eight days before Moise was assassinated. Two people, very prominent people, one a journalist, one a human rights advocate, an opponent of the government, very outspoken person, two 33-year-old You know, rising stars in Haiti were assassinated on the streets in the middle of a night. Nothing was done. No, you know, there were expressions of sadness by certain people, but nothing was done. And before this, there's the head of the Haitian bar who was killed. There's a very popular pediatrician who was killed in a kidnap attempt. Nothing, nothing, nothing. All of this impunity in Haiti. And then suddenly (laughs) they catch... 18 people who are responsible for this and they're all foreigners. And, and it's just the simplicity of it. It it turns it into a lie. And, and most people believe that they are not the people who did the assassination. In fact, there seems to be, I can't say that it's definitely real, but there seems to be a video of the Colombian team who are constitute the 18 and a few more still at large who have been sort of, accused of this crime. These Colombians apparently arrived almost an hour after the body was cold. So it seems unlikely they did it, that they could have. There was no security present um, at the president's mansion when the assassination took place. No security, people were injured. They're just, whoever it was came in and the president was not protected. That's strange because he has many concentric circles of both Haitian protection and foreign security paid for at high prices with great weaponry, and no one was there to save him. Hmm. So that in Hmm. itself speaks of a serious plot, at least. And now they're trying to invent a plot starring the Colombians. I I don't know. I I find it hard to, to give credence to.
0: So he's dead. And it seems to me everything is up for grabs. Is it? What happened next?
2: Well, two things. We have to think about why he was killed to know what's up for grabs and what isn't up for grabs. Mm -hmm. So why would you kill Moise? In six months, he'll be out of office, theoretically. Theoretically. I think one fear on the part of the killers was that he had amassed so much power by destroying the uh, machinery of state And by sort of allowing the gangs to ramble and roam and no one knew what was on his side or not, what what means of violence were on his side, that the rest of the power structure in Haiti, who have been friends with Moise and with Martelli, Moise's predecessor, maybe they weren't sure that he would leave and that they would get to still have some kind of control of the country. And so they wanted to move him away. But my feeling is right now watching who's trying to be the next interim president, and there are three of them, is that the people in power behind Moïse are trying to remain in power now that he's gone. And the interim prime minister who is, he's not the interim prime minister, sorry, he was the prime minister under Moïse. The day before Moïse was killed, This prime minister was fired by Moïse and a new prime minister was named by Moïse. But now the prime minister who was fired didn't have time to really leave office, nor did the new prime minister have time to take office. So they're both Hmm. claiming that they are, in fact, the interim leader of Haiti, but one was still in the prime minister's seat. That's Claude Joseph and he is right now, I don't know if today he is, but yesterday, He was accepted by the foreign diplomatic corps and the friends of Haiti and the Americans as the interim leader because they just don't know what to do, you know. And then there's also a guy who's the president of the Senate, which is 10 people now, a 10-person Senate, a minion, Mm -hmm. as I wrote recently in The Nation, a minion of Haitians uh, named him (laughs) president of Haiti. So, There are three acting presidents of Haiti, but one has been acknowledged by the international community, which means basically continuing on with the discredited, unpopular, irresponsible government of Moïse to take you to elections with the gangs in the streets. It's just like unthinkable, but it may be the way we're going to go.
0: Are there players that will... Insert themselves, if you will, into this chaos of the Chinese or the U.S. or I
2: don't know how much mainland China, the People's Republic, really is doing in Haiti. The Taiwanese have tried to insert themselves in Haitian politics because they need votes in the U.N. And the Haitians are always willing to sell their vote to the highest bidder. Right. So they voted with Taiwan on various issues in the U.N., And that's how a couple of the Colombians ended up running to the Taiwanese embassy. Who knew? I mean, most Americans say to me like, what? There's a Taiwanese embassy in Haiti? Well, yeah. And that's the reason. But the biggest actor on the Haitian scene in the international community is really the United States. Then after the United States, there's also the Organization of American States, the OAS, and the UN. Those are the three biggest, and the French, the Spanish, the Dominican Republic, all sorts of other friends, ostensibly, of Haiti. Mm -hmm. But are they friends of the Haitian people? This we cannot say.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Amy Wilentz.
1: borough.com slash ACAST.
0: Welcome back to News Items. I'm here with the University of California Irvine professor and author of several books on Haiti, Amy Wilentz. Amy, what are the president's President Biden's options with, I mean, regarding Haiti? Is it something that he can do something about or is it just hope that? It'll basically go away (laughs) and he won't have to worry about
2: it. It's very problematic for Biden because, first of all, he's been attacked by the Haitians and by members of his own Congress in his own party for continuing Trump's policy in Haiti. So Trump loved Jovenel Moïse, a strong man trying to take over the government, letting the people suffer. What could be better? Trump loved it. (laughs) Um, And he loved Jovenel. Jovenel was the leader of one of the countries that Trump termed, I can say this on your program, right? Yes, you can. A shithole country. So, um, you know, this was his kind of leader, a Duterte for the Caribbean. And then Biden came to power. Well, we don't say that in America. Biden was elected to office and um, he continued Trump's policy of supporting Moise. And I think for very different reasons, but important reasons to him. And This has not been said, so I'm speculating. But I think after coming to the presidency in an election that was so fiercely contested that January 6th happened, Biden felt uh, a little reluctance at sort of pushing Moise and enabling Moise's opponents since Moise was an ostensibly elected president of a country, even though Moise had continued to rule past the end of his term in office, debatable, but but certainly arguable. Mm-hmm. I think Biden felt like, oh, it's Haiti. What you know? I have to push right. a president out of office. Let, no, let's just let it <laughs> run its course. Um, right. and, but now, obviously, the assassination has gotten everyone's attention, and it has to be dealt with. So he has a lot of options, but but does does any American president feel comfortable with it? There's a long history with Haiti because of the Haitian Revolution. I know it sounds weird to say the Haitian Revolution started in 1791 and with Toussaint Louverture and Jean-Jacques Dessalines and ended in 1804 with French rule overthrown. The slaves liberated. Many uh, white masters and families and all sorts of white people who had been living in Haiti murdered and making the United States, which still had a large enslaved population, very, very nervous, and had an economy that was basically running as a slave economy, right, so the u s has also always been leery of haiti and and confused by Haiti and wishing to keep a lid on it, you know right. and I think that's still sort of the case um they would like it to be stable, and they don't know how to ensure stability, and so the way that they turn uh nice Democrats, mean Republicans, <laughs> all of the people in power in the U.S. have seen that the strong man maybe keeps the lid on it best, stops people from leaving if they want to leave, even if they want to leave Haitians, and um, and you know keeps the trains running in a certain way, makes it safe for Americans to do business, which they do do in Haiti still. Another thing I wanted to say is that a long time ago, and you can find this online if you look hard. He was on, I think it was on the Charlie Rose show. And he he made this comment, he said, and I've watched it, you must regret it so much, he said.
1: A god-awful thing to say. If Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole lot in terms of our interest.
2: Who would really care? You know, that's what he said. Now he has to deal with it. So it's really too bad that he would say a thing like that. But it was a long time ago. And kind of racially tinged things didn't matter as much. I would never say it now.
0: (laughs) So in in terms of what happens next, is there a political calendar? Is there something that, you know, the listeners can say, okay, I read Amy Wilentz about Haiti. I follow in the coverage now. What am I going to be reading about in the next six months or a year?
2: Let's admit that the story of the assassination, who's responsible the Colombian mercenaries, the doctor in Miami who they're now looking into. It's all very exciting. It's like it's like watching Homeland or something. And right, I, think, right. I think it's even attracted the attention of some people who aren't Haiti-crazed. So that is something you're going to be reading about. You're going to be reading about the narrative that whatever government is in power offers, you're going to be reading about that. So that's not the calendar, but there will be investigations. The U.S. is participating in the investigations. How much the narrative will correspond to the truth is what Haitians are interested in. Right. Then if Moise were still alive, he would be taking the country to a referendum on the constitution that would have given him further powers. Mm -hmm. So it's unclear if that's going to go forward at all. But there was a referendum schedule in this atmosphere of gangs in the streets where you, John, and I would not go out to vote no matter how much we care. Right. And uh, then a presidential election and legislative elections, very costly to the United States and the international community in September. It's unclear if that will go forward either. So we don't really know what's going to happen. My hope is that the Biden administration, while perhaps unfortunately enabling one of the three acting presidents of Haiti right now to take over, will also insist on the inclusion in discussions about Haiti's future and future elections will insist on including members of the more progressive popular movements and grassroots organizations, people who work with the Haitian people who know what they need. There are at least five or six groups of these people. So not just one group, but a bunch of groups coming together who are signatories to various proposals, all of which say basically the same thing, health care, sanitation, freedom of movement, control the gangs, and um, please justice in certain cases, very big cases, and no more impunity.
0: Have you been to Haiti recently?
2: Not as recently as I would wish. COVID has kind of kept me away.
0: Oh, of course, right?
2: There is a very limited, very fractured, very weak healthcare system in the first place. Um, Beds are limited even before COVID. Sometimes you'd go into the hospital, two people who don't even know each other are sharing a single cot, basically. We still don't know how many people have been affected by the disease, but now people seem to be getting it. Like people know people, everybody knows someone. Uh, Before that wasn't the case. The government doesn't count the cases. The hospitals do, but it's an ever-changing ranking of hospitals who are counting. It's hard to know what's really happening in Haiti. But one thing we do know for certain is there are very few ventilators to help patients with respiratory problems. And there's always a situation with providing oxygen in Haiti. There's a lot of tuberculosis in Haiti in general. Mm -hmm. So they need oxygen in Haiti and people are always scrambling for oxygen in the healthcare system. Now it's even harder because one, there's less oxygen coming in, there are fewer tanks, and then to transport the oxygen is dangerous. To go out on the streets right. is dangerous. So you don't want to send your personnel out to get oxygen, even though you're in desperate need. And But I was there in December of 2019 is the last time I was there, and the gangs were rampant at that time, actually.
0: So we, I was going to ask you, where did you feel... I don't know what the word is, insecure, if you went out to get coffee or whatever? Uh,
2: Insecure, yes. I felt insecure. I was much less mobile than I have been in the past. I I used to be a person who did everything in Haiti. I went into the shanty towns. I hung out on the streets of downtown. And now you can't do that. You're just a target for these gangs, and it's too scary. The gangs are too serious. They're not kidding around. Uh, you can be taken it doesn't matter if you're a foreigner and if you're a foreigner the ransom demand is ridiculous it, and you right. can be killed and and people have been killed so i was a little unwilling to be my uh former liberated self in haiti and, and i hated it because it makes reporting very difficult
0: i can imagine yeah so are you writing about it in long form again or no Thinking about doing another book? Or? No,
2: they can't make me do that.
0: <laughs> well, they can <laughs> No,
2: they can't. After they the, can give
0: you a lot of money. No, and they never
2: give you a lot of money for a Haiti book. Well, if this is if you can live through the, uh, through the contract, okay. it's a miracle. No, but after the earthquake, I said to myself, no, you're not writing another book, because I do have a previous book. My first book was about Haiti years and years ago after the fall of Duvalier. Mm-hmm. And then the earthquake came, and I thought, no, 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 no. And then I did another book called Farewell Fred Voodoo, and now, you know, I, I looked at the Moe's assassination. I said, no, 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 no. Maybe I'll write a TV show, John. Do you want to work with me on
3: that?
0: I think that's great. I mean, I think that the uh, you know, you do the setup with the government mm-hmm. and he, he shuts everything down and you got the gangs and everything. And then you have then you have the murder, the assassination.
2: It would be good. Mm-hmm. I think I'll have some Haitians do it. <laughs> I'll ask my friends, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good five or six-parter.
2: Haiti has always been a good story, but the problem is, if I may speak as a person with some soul and conscience, the problem is what makes it such a good story is the ongoing pain and suffering of everybody down there and the fact that they have no representative democracy really to speak of, the fact that their presidents are not responding to their need. That's what makes it a good story. So uh, it's bad that it's a good story.
0: Yes, it is. Amy, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have you. We appreciate your time.
2: Well, it's been a really good conversation. Thanks a lot, John.
0: Thanks for tuning into the News Items podcast. The podcast is based on my newsletter, which is available at newsitems.substack.com. News Items is produced by Christian Castro-Russell, Pierre bien Ali Rogers, and Megan Burney. Our theme music was composed by Billy Libby and our recording engineer is Simran Singh. I'll be back tomorrow with my co-host Rebecca Dars for a round of news analysis and we'll see you then. Normally, being-